0: you're listening to the a scully cast brought to you by www.ascully.com and here are your hosts a scully and sid talk all right before the after the show discussion i was just playing a game called Cook Serve Delicious. That's the name of it. And it's a uh, indie game. Um, they're looking to get it on Steam. So you, if, you want, if you're interested, go to Steam.com. Look for Cook Serve Delicious. And it's in their Steam Greenlight program, which means indie games can apply to Steam to be on there. If enough people vote for their game, it will end up on Steam and... Pod- oh, oh,
1: oh, oh, ooh, Mr. A. Scully, what is Steam?
0: It's a digital delivery service for games by uh, Valve, the makers of Half-Life. It's the biggest digital delivery service for games. Um, but this game, it's one of those time management games where you have to run your own restaurant. It's really, really fun. It's made by a team of two people. Um, it's I- free? No, it's not free. It's $8. Um but the thing is you can go and buy it now from their website just search for cooks what's it called again cooks serve delicious (laughs) and uh, you'll find their website you can buy it on their website but they want to have it on steam but to have it on steam they have to have enough people say they want it on steam different
1: prices
0: Um, it's eight dollars on their website and if it becomes available on steam you'll instantly get a code to redeem it on steam so you can put it into your steam library
1: Okay.
0: So uh, you can buy it now and wait for it to go on Steam.
1: It'll always be $8?
0: Always be $8, and all, including all the updates. And it's
1: except. worth it.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. If you like time management games, and it's quite a good one because it's a lot more involved than most of them. Is it
1: as good as Plants vs. Zombies?
0: It's a different kind of game. Um, Would I like it? Possibly. Well, it's really stressful though. Okay. But... The uh, difference, it, it's running a restaurant. The difference in this one to the other ones is the other ones are really, really simple. You're like, press, if somebody wants a burger, you press burger and then give it them. Well, this one, somebody asks for a burger with only lettuce or, you know, and you yeah. have to, and then the, the actual recipes as you go through the game and buy more recipes are, get more progressively more complicated. Like when you actually, you have to actually assemble a, a lasagna.
1: I played that game. What was that game we had? They
0: played the shit out of like Diner Dash or something. It's or, similar to that, but it's better. where you
1: had like an ice cream machine. And you got a soup yeah, machine, it's like that. But, you had to make burgers without le- you know. But yeah. it's a
0: lot better than that because there's a natural progression. Like um, after you've done a day at work, it's, it's like from nine a.m. till nine p.m. Then when the restaurant closes, you do all the behind the scenes management of the restaurant. Like you do the money, you buy you you make your menu for the next day, oh. and you get emails that will say like. You know, you're only serving snack foods, and people uh, think your place is unhealthy, so they're not coming. So you might have to, like, rearrange your menu and buy new things for your menu. Occasionally, you have to do things like go and clean the toilet in the middle of service, because it's blocked up, or there's things they throw in the mix. Like, you need to wash all the dishes now, and then you've got five guys who need serving, but you've also got to wash the dishes. And what does this
1: game look like? Uh,
0: You've seen it. It's like... um,
1: I only saw some big food right on the screen.
0: Yeah, it's like a, it's it's really colorful and cool looking. It actually looks like a tablet game or a a phone game. It's not three D or anything. Kind of chunky. Yeah, but it's really easy to play, and you can play the whole thing on your keyboard or you can use a mouse. Like everything has like, and it's really well done. Like if you want to put um, meat on your burger, you press M. And if you want to put cheese, you press C. It's always the beginning letter of the So you can actually play it just on the keyboard, not even holding on to your mouse. Or you can click everything. Right. And I'm finding the clicking everything is kind of cool. But if you want to be really fast, it's better to use the keyboard. So I'm kind of working. I'm using both at the moment, like keyboard and mouse. So, yeah, it's um, cook, serve, delicious. And... uh, just search for it on Google. You can find it. Eight bucks. It's worth eight And that's it before
1: eight bucks. the after the show discussion because we didn't actually have a conversation before after the show today.
0: Right. And uh, our thing is up for some reason. I don't see the top of the date. All right. So it is uh, after the show number 246 and it's Saturday, October the 20th, 2012. The movie we're looking at this week is Moonrise Kingdom on Blu-ray. What are you looking at me like that for? It
1: isn't Saturday, but they don't care.
0: Well, that was that would be when we do this, <laughs> yeah. right? See, you didn't have to find that out. So it is uh, the Moonrise Kingdom on Blu-ray. It's a um, 2012 movie. It's released on the 16th of October, which is this week. You can pick it up now, and uh, it's PG-13. No tagline for this movie, unfortunately. I'll give it one Moonrise Kingdom, and uh, it's from our friends at Universal. If you were to give it a
1: tag, what would you do? what would you say? If you were in that group and said, "Let me let me give it a tag," what would be one of
0: your brainstorming ideas It would be his
1: movies are hard to define in one sentence i think
0: yeah it would be um
1: <laughs> i love wes anderson <laughs> i I'm, I'm thinking more
0: like what would you do for love oh 'Cause it's essentially a lot of
1: stuff. Mm getcha. Okay, yeah. You get me? Yeah.
0: Right, so, um yeah. It's uh you're gonna give the synopsis of Moonrise Kingdom on Blu-ray.
1: Um, two young people, somewhat troubled, as we find, and um try to make a plan together amidst, you know, the obligatory Enemies and grown-ups trying to stop them and intervene. And then sort of this beautiful, weird world around them. Right, so all, yeah. And a storm pending. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. it's really, there's not a lot of story there, except for that. But there is. Young love and
0: troubled, you know. So it takes place on this fictional island that is, like, cut off from everything else. There's just a select few people on there. And it follows um, a scout troop. Yeah, the scouts, aren't they? Or mm-hmm. the or they cubs? Khaki. Khaki scouts. Khaki scouts. scouts. Yeah, Something um, like that. And one of the scouts is, uh, tr- like you say, troubled. Mm-hmm. And he uh, takes off. And the whole movie's is uh, trying to find this kid, who happens to be a scout, so he's pretty good at covering mm-hmm. his tracks, so yeah. he's not easy to find.
1: And he's clever.
0: Yeah, and he's, uh, what, how old would you say? 12? 13?
1: 13, 14, actually.
0: And the the girl seems quite a bit older.
1: No, I think she's about the same. Girls just mature faster at that age.
0: She's right. like 13, 14. So, he, yeah, he, he's, he's in love with this girl he met previous, and they both run away together, and they cause a bit of a crisis on the island. But it that might not sound f- totally interesting, but it's Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie, so you kind of know what you're going to get.
1: And it's not an after-school special kind of a thing no. where it's a drama trauma. It's, no, it's a
0: quirky, <clears throat> odd look at this situation. And it's. Uh, if you've seen Wes Anderson movies, you know what you're going to get. Absolutely. You do get that. It's almost like a... I was thinking about it when I was watching it. It's almost like a live-action Fantastic Mr. Fox.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Looks, I thought like, that seemed, myself.
0: Yeah, like, like I was like, wow... He's really carried this style on. I mean, yes, he's always had this style, but it's come but more like, to frame. The rope
1: comes down, he looks up the chimney, and like, when he looks out the window and she's yelling up at the bullhorn. And, and- the,
0: the awesome <clears throat> opening sequence to this film where it's moving mm-hmm. like a doll's house yeah. along the rooms. That is in Fantastic Mr. Fox at the beginning where it's moving around the the uh, whatever they call so You're
1: not going to find any innovation from Mr. Anderson in terms of like, what am I going to add to my style because it is what it is. Right. It's just that that brings to every story a kind of quiet, um, like beautifulness to me. Like,
0: yeah, it's he. Every single shot is carefully thought about, like meticulously. There's no nothing left to chance. It's this is how this shot is going to look. Everything's going to be in this shot this certain way. Everything
1: is a framed
0: picture. So everything is like that. So it's very unique to. Like other filmmakers do it, but they kind of do it um, not in every single shot. You like, can
1: feel it's a bit much after a while if you start focusing on it. Like it's just one design after another after another after another. But when you start, when you, when I could jump into his movies, it's like I'm just watching a story told with art. That's right. how I kind of look at it. Fantastic Mr Fox, obviously art, it's all stop frame animation. But in this one I have to just go, okay, every single scene, every single shot, every single face, every single landscape is gonna be
0: Everything, down to the expression and, and everything. you
1: feel it. It isn't seamless, it isn't it isn't like um like hidden in there. It's in your face. Does so it, y- you can get a little tired of it maybe but I don't Just when I, I said this
0: that. was kind of like a live action Fantastic Mr. Fox there was even scenes in this movie where I felt like there were humans being stop framed
1: absolutely a where, little bit where yeah. um
0: the scoutmaster jumps across the thing mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that looks like an animation doesn't Absolutely. It? But it's not. It's him really doing it. But I could see Mr. Fox doing it exactly like that.
1: And, like, the motorcycle thing. That yeah. seemed kind of very. Yeah, it stuck. really
0: did. Like, cartoonish in, in parts. Absolutely. And, um, I'd go on record here as saying, aside from Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I love Wes Anderson, that this might be his best film. Like, in terms of, like, I like the story. It's a lot more. Pinpointed, like a, yeah. a, 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 a thing that you can get behind rather than. Like, he's dealt with families before.
1: These are mostly pastiche, as you call it, with right, the different yeah, stories. Right, like bits kind and pieces all so together.
0: This is more focused than that. And Mr. Fox was also more focused, so perhaps he's getting. I just read something really interesting. When the girl in the um, movie finds the thing about troubled kids, and she looks at it, and it's really fantastic, because on her face, like, she's like. She find well, let's explain. She finds a leaflet in the house, like saying, "What is it? Do I have trouble? How to deal with trouble kids?" Well, Wes Anderson found that himself in his own house, right? And he never asked anybody, and he had other siblings, but from that point onwards, he wondered whether he was that or it was somebody else, and never right. So it's a thing that's always stuck in his head. So he wanted to put it into something. and. When she see, you know, I yeah. felt
1: like that was the catalyst for this story. Right, is being an outsider kid, almost like that's the perspective that kids who have, if you're looking at them from the outside in, they're the troubled kid. They cause trouble. They get in fights at school. They catch the doghouse on fire or shit like that. But from the inside out of them specifically, they could just be. They just need to do their own thing. I'm not saying cut your teenagers loose, but I'm saying from this point of view, he might have been one of them. Right. And was able to function and be productive, and yet he had that troubledness about him. And these
0: two kids are artistic, you know, in their own way, both of them. And it's like an outlet for them to, you know, and they find each other, and they're actually similar to each other. So it is that thing. I just
1: thought of another recommendation.
0: So... I like the. I I think this might be his best film. I really do. I. I. It's, you know. It's. Re, it refines his style a lot. I
1: definitely like the more specific story.
0: Yeah, I do. Rather not, than just like lots yeah, of things.
1: Having to tell the story of like ten or twelve different. I never quirky enough time members. to
0: get into all of them properly.
1: And they also seem a little. This one has less of the. Um, little bit of pretentiousness about. Look, it's Gwyneth Paltrow being weird, and look, it's Bill Murray being weird, and look, it's you know uh, Angelica Houston being this oddball character because you're you're very conscious of it in those movies, almost like a Woody Allen movie where everybody thinks they're extra cool because they're in sort of a quirky, beautifully artful made movie. Whereas in this one, that go- went away for me. A couple of Bruce Willis moments maybe, but other than that, I felt like it was it was less about them and more about the story and
0: this does uh focus on lots of characters don't get me wrong it's similar you know it's an ensemble thing lots of people but none
1: of their stories really you're not yeah. following their whole story
0: there's just brief you know yeah you know, something's going on here something's going on there but it's never really yeah there's no fully.
1: circumstance for them to follow you're not invested in what choices they're going to make, you know, how it is with other, like with the Tenenbaums, like everybody has a thing where you're invested in how, how their story is going to end up. I didn't feel that with anybody. It kind of is hinted at, but I only felt about the kids. Like that's, I didn't care about the parents really. I mean, not care, but, um, there wasn't, like, an arc for each of them, as they say. And that sounds really obvious. It's, sh- but... it's
0: good how he shows how every adult is flawed. Yeah. So, of course, the kids are going to be different. Absolutely. You know? and, it, and it's, you know, he, he does close in on that quite a bit with the different... You know.
1: But without being specific, which is what I like.
0: Right. There's just, no
1: specificness about the lawyers. There's no specificness about the cop guy or the scout man or. But they've all bad got lieutenant. something going on. You're only just seeing a slice of them, and you don't have the backstory, and you don't have what's troubling them. You only see them from maybe what is a kid's point of view, like the that behavior. You don't know what's behind it all, but you get it. You understand. You know.
0: It's um. There's a lot of miniature work done in the movie, I was just reading as well. A lot of the sets were miniatures, so it's that's like the Fantastic Mr. Fox yeah. uh, thing.
1: The house, the lighthouse, they're kind of obvious We They used ones. a lot
0: of miniatures, um, and obviously when uh, a storm comes, a lot yeah. of that was miniature work. But, it was really... I thought it was seamless because, because the movie's got an odd Correct. take. They don't stand out to me. Like it, or at the lighthouse, maybe a little bit. Uh, and, you know, this movie also has a narrator who just turns up and starts... Yeah. I mean, not a narrator. He's a narrator, but he's actually a physical character in the movie too who's just there it's telling like the story. It's like he's a
1: narrator of what I think of as, like, a late 40s and 50s um, hey kids, don't do drugs or... um this is like cautionary a wildlife, tale. a cautionary documentary or a wildlife kind of documentary where the guy stands in front of the camera and says, And behind me you see the Alaskan polar bear, and da da. Exactly. And then he kind of steps off, and then you watch what's happening, and he kind of explains to you, you know. But there was something very specific. I think he got that particular thing from something because it feels not like something I've seen before. But it's woven in there in a way that's maybe a a tool that he's learned in watching millions of movies or film school or something.
0: And this takes place in the 60s. So it's got a certain vibe to it. But then again, the vibe to it, I don't see because of his style. It doesn't seem exactly 60s to me. It seems out of time. It just seems this weird side (laughs) dimension, like almost like it's. I don't actually see the 1960s when I'm watching it. It just seems like a... I don't know what it seems like. It doesn't seem like a certain time. It could be the 70s. Because it's it's an island. It's on its own. These people are not very specific. They're just like, it's a cop. It's a scoutmaster. It's kids dressed in uniforms. You know, maybe the girl stands out in the 60s. Yeah, and
1: she's got the little record player that's very
0: 60s. But there again, if it was an alternate thing, that could just be a quirky thing, right? So I just it didn't scream sixties to me. Some of them they were saying on the air, Oh yeah, we really want to capture the period of the sixties, but to me it wasn't that. It was just capturing Wes Anderson thing. You know? Hmm. So I um So did you like it a lot?
1: I loved it. I was mesmerized. Truly. I, I, I mesmerized. think it was
0: actually last week I was saying Rock of Ages was too long. I, didn't I was thinking want it this to one end. was too short.
1: I felt like it was right because I felt it was very substantial. And it's
0: only ninety minutes. Um, yeah.
1: But it feels like, um, I felt it was just right. Because by the time the story's coming to an end, I wasn't like, no, no, it can't be over. Even though I didn't want it to end, I felt it was exactly right.
0: A special mention should be to uh, Alex... It doesn't
1: take a shortcut, that's for sure.
0: No, Alexander de Plas, who did the score for this, mm-hmm. and... Actually, it's 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 explained up front when you're watching the uh, mm-hmm. opening sequence. It's a um, they play a record on the record player, and it's breaking down how a piece of music is. And they they play a piece of music four different ways, and it happens during the movie. The four different pieces. Does it? Of, yeah. By I didn't this that. Yeah, well, it, and then it then it rounds it off at the end where it comes back to it. How I didn't it, notice that. Right, it does that throughout the movie. I noticed it because I was listening to. I was going to say the score is fantastic and in surround sound they do things in this movie that is insane like it, yeah. you don't you don't think that it's going to be a surround soundy type of movie because it's like this quiet little there's movie
1: fireworks and a yeah, rocket well and- the,
0: the music is it, it goes around behind you it, it, when there's the storm thing happening yeah. the music's getting really welling up but yeah if you listen to the piece at the beginning where it's explaining how a piece of music can be broken down into four things you hear the the piece of music, the theme of the movie, broken down into four different things throughout the... And then it, at the end, it goes back to normal again. So, And then the credits actually do this breaking down of music as well, which oh, is yeah. really cool.
1: Instruments telling you which, instrument yeah, which
0: instruments mean. are in the piece. So I have to say special mentions about music, because this movie would not be the same without no, that no. music. The music, like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, where the music takes you on a journey, the music in this takes you on a journey They're
1: too. They're not related, right?
0: No, not related. I say I like a lot of people with Anderson mm-hmm. as the second name.
1: Two people.
0: Well, I kind of like Resident Evil Anderson as well. Paul Anderson. Oh, right. In a different way. Yeah. You know, I've liked his movies. Three. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, that, isn't it? So, um, yeah, music, really good. Um, it's almost worth having surround sound to witness this in, in surround sound, because it is a really awesome sounding movie. I, I was. A bit forward, back because any dramas, it doesn't tend to do any with him with the surround sound, but they did this time. Uh, this this Blu-ray picture is a little bit softer than you might be used to, and the reason being, this was filmed on 16 millimeter film, which is, like, insane. Like, it's old-fashioned, like, 16 millimeter, Not in, not like right. today's digital stuff. So it looks softer, but it's, I've just read in an interview with him, it's obviously intentional. He wanted it to be blurry. Sure. He wanted it to be... 1960s-ish not like today's crisp clear thing and it works because it, it adds, also adds plus he's like a lot of the movie looks yellow it's like a real like autumn looking colour scheme that he uses you know when we were driving down the road the other day saying yes. we love the trees at this time of year the kind of tone of the movie is that it looks like that it's kind of autumn-y even the lighting on people it's like a yellowish tinge uh, some people might, it might, they might not say, not most
1: something. of the time. I mean, it varies in fact, like, like that on the from cover. scene to scene, really. You know what like, I mean?
0: Like trees look kind of yellowish instead mm-hmm. of green. Uh, and it's that's a you know, a tone thing, yeah. He's changed it in the I don't know whether the camera films it like that or they just overexpose the thing, or I don't know how they do that.
1: I don't think there's a lot of that going on, it's just post. With 16
0: millimeter film, though, it's uh, you well, could think change you, the. But
1: you, I think, they would just develop it, and now because then they put it on digital.
0: But not many people do 16 millimeter film. It's uh, it's old school. It's um, like Paul Thomas Anderson did 70 millimeter. 16 millimeter is the complete opposite. It's less information in the frame. It's the uh, yeah. It's the analog version of film. But yeah, it looks awesome. Um, I don't know if it's because of that. But it does look awesome. It's got this. So let's move on to the cast here. We've got the two kids in the movie, Susie and Sam, played by Cara Haywood and Jared Gilman, have never acted before. First-time actors. Never been in anything. Fantastic. Never... Yeah, you would... There's Yeah. It's great. I think it's always great to choose kids who haven't acted before because they're not affected by Correct. things.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah, that and they these kids are not, like... Natural, honest, un like not chained to whatever classes they would have been having or other directors or other actors who have been telling them how to be. And maybe they have stage parents who knows, but they didn't feel it. They were like, it was as if these two young people have sat down and watched a thousand European and French and very grown up movies I don't know why I think of that style, but they have that sort of vibe about them. Or they've watched all the Wes Anderson's oh, Wes Anderson movies. All Wes is... And they've read a lot of books, and I don't know why. Because it's
0: very specific put all that how that stuff they have to somebody. act in this. Because a lot of it's facial expressions, just long looks at them, what they do, how he acts I'm very. Very honest. And There's he a... acts very grown up towards her. It's
1: like a. It's hard to describe someone seeming honest, but yeah, their reactions to each other have to be almost. Like they're those two people, you know, and they are totally in sync most of the time. From yeah. what I could, what you watch, you're just like, wow, they these two kids are running away. They're in love and they're running away together. So a
0: movie like this lives and dies by the the kids, whether you buy them or not. And I all the kids think,
1: were great. Yeah, actually, all, all the
0: scout kids were good yeah. too. Yeah, um, which are, uh, so actual um, adults in this movie, we've got Bruce Willis as Captain Sharp. Uh, I you know. He doesn't really do anything different. I know this is a quirky little thing, but he's just like a sheriff. In I've, I swear, I've seen him as like a police sheriff, or whatever, and other thing. He just plays it the same, doesn't he? Every time.
1: He's always a, he's almost always a cop.
0: He is, but I mean, I'm just thinking specifically like a small town sheriff or something like that. But he is, he is in the action movies almost mm-hmm. always a cop. But yeah, he just plays it the same. I mean, he's not he's not a diehard dude, Mm-mm. McLean, but it's.
1: It's more like, um, the character he did in, um, Death Becomes Her, but before he becomes sort of like, you know, a withering, flaccid man, as she calls him. Yeah. But uh, that guy yeah, is a, bit a like
0: little that. bit, uh,
1: what? Huh? Uh? But he's kind of neutral, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's good. I, 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 I can't say he's not, but, uh, yeah, it's nothing out of the ordinary, I don't think. It didn't have to know.
1: be Bruce Willis, but saying no, that Bruce probably. Willis is in your movie...
0: Probably seems cool. And then you've got Edward Norton as Scoutmaster Ward, who is one of the best adults.
1: Absolutely. It? Yeah,
0: because it's like, um, I don't know, he's kind of dithering a little bit, but he's like really proud of his Very group
1: proud, and, yes, that's what i And a he wants word. to
0: do anything for them, and when the Scoutmaster guy kind of rips, you know, it takes his patch. It's like... Oh. It's, like a, it's like he's ripping his heart out. But he's out, not like,
1: like competitive dad. No. He's more of a... cares about them, he cares wants it to be them. good. Like. Absolutely. And is very fair.
0: Wants them to learn. Yeah, I don't... He's not a bad... He's good, isn't he, completely? like, um, Yeah, I really like him. And super
1: compassionate, because when he finds out about the kid's backstory, you yeah. know, he's just broken-hearted about it.
0: And wants to know about it.
1: <laughs> and he does it in a way where it's not him... Like you say, Bruce Willis is just sort of...
0: Doing There's thing. not
1: a lot of thing going on. Edward Norton every single scene he adds a bit of something that you I don't know him personally, but you get the feeling that's not him. He's he's added a flourish of some kind or a a thing that is him making the character that's outside of himself. Now, whereas Bruce Willis is like, I'm gonna say the lines and give it a little bit of this or that, and that's because he can it. do
0: different, like, uh, like you know, Edward Norton. Think of like American History X and think of this character, it's about as far as far as you can go. Primal get. Fear, yeah. I always think of American History X, how extreme that character is, and like moving on from 25th Hour, and that character's pretty extreme too, you know, or the Hulk, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, um, Bill Murray plays Walt Bishop, Bill, this is sixth. Bill Murray's sixth time working with Wes Anderson. Um, I love him. I I always will. I think. But let's
1: be honest, he doesn't do anything different. No, either. he does
0: not. But he fits perfectly in these movies. I mean, I, I
1: he's got a certain sarcasm about him all the time. But
0: it's not too much for me. It's just, and he's not overused in this movie. No, and In no. fact, he's underused a little bit. Like I.
1: No, I think it's perfect.
0: Yeah, it's not like the Bill Murray show. I don't
1: want it to. Be, I wanted him a l- little less. Even I think would have been fine.
0: But, you know, like Life Aquatic. It's the Bill Murray show almost. But this is like, you know, he's sparing with everybody, in fact. Even though he's got like these amazing people, he's sparing with them. Um, Francis McDormand... I don't think Bruce Willis is amazing, just to clarify.
1: No, but... So what if he's a big star? That doesn't make him amazing. He's been in some
0: amazing movies, I'll say that.
1: Doesn't make him amazing.
0: Uh, Francis McDormand is Laura Bishop. She's... She's amazing. Good. They're not in it a lot.
1: <laughs> no, but she's fine. She does, she does the same thing Edward Norton does. She adds to make you think that lady exists. Right. Separate from Frances McDormand. Do you know what I mean? Like, she has made certain choices about her behavior and the way she delivers lines and her, like, little actions when she's not speaking, but she's having to react and be a part of the scenery where it's like she's created a person, like, specifically
0: this lady this actual um script was uh written by uh Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola which is the son of um Francis Ford Coppola and uh you know where um Francis McDormand's yelling into a megaphone uh, to get the kids' attentions his mother used to do that <laughs> I thought
1: it was definitely was from somebody's in the real household. life yeah. so
0: he was like um i just going to put that in there because it was really weird. I knew that but was
1: absolutely They lived in a huge
0: life. house, so she used to yell down the megaphone to tell them dinner's <laughs> ready and stuff. So. It was like a
1: bullhorn, like an yeah. actual like a battery-operated <laughs> one.
0: Um, so Tilda Swinton pops up as Social Services. That's, That's her awesome. actual character name. Yes. Really awesome. And she is the social services person who's brought in to make sure these kids are okay. She's flown into the island. Yeah, she's really awesome. It's oh, awesome. A, I love the uh, split-screen telephone a call. She's the highlight of between, the whole movie, I think. It's like a split-screen telephone call between the sheriff and the scoutmaster and her. It's really awesome, though.
1: she's it? awesome. She's just like... And the, her, yeah. her... She, again... She's not over the top. She's not like big... It's not like a big character acting kind of thing. However, she adds... Obviously, she's wiped out her accent, first of all. And... Her behavior is so specific. You can imagine that woman, that behavior, has a whole life. You can see her doing other yeah. the, her job with other people and dealing with other people with these exact same little idiosyncrasies. That's what I love about watching somebody who doesn't just sort of go with the flow. I mean, let's be honest. Bill Murray's going with the flow. Bruce Willis is going with the flow. Doing their thing. Um. And do you think Wes Anderson has the balls to say to Bruce Willis,
0: let's do yeah, it again? Yeah, I, I actually do because I think Wes Anderson really cares about what's in, on the screen. I think he has more clout
1: than, say, Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Wes Anderson really cares what's on the screen, to be honest. I, I think if it was somebody was.
1: Maybe in the future he'll write a book and talk about what an asshole Bruce yeah. Willis is, like I don't Kevin think so. Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um we've got Jason Schwartzman another um Wes Anderson regular as Cousin Ben. <laughs> he's
1: awesome. You know, yeah,
0: he is. Gets better for me. Like he does, I yeah. didn't actually like him when I first watched the movie. With, I I was always like, oh, I don't know about this guy. But in this movie, he's he like
1: does the same thing. He's cut back all of the big character caricature things and just whittled it down to where you think the same exact thing. This guy is a guy who's he's made up all his little
0: yeah, he has he, certain behaviours and ways. speaks his, his cousin Ben is, he plays which is a another scout scout master, master, master person is he a master yeah he is isn't he well yeah. seems like lower Leader. down the ladder maybe than,
1: yeah because he's just selling the concessions
0: yeah. but but he um, you know he. <laughs> I like the way he deals with the kids yes yeah. it's, it's really funny um, and then we've got Bob Balaban is that his name Bob Balaban is the narrator um, and it's really awesome that he threw that narrator in there because yeah. it threw me like sideways a little bit. I was like... Because I kind of know Wes Anderson's movies and then the narrator just turns up and looks at the camera. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But, you know, not unexpected, but a nice... Because it's not explained why this guy's narrating Mm-mm. and why he actually exists and, and is there. It's not really... I mean, he just walks into the scene sometimes and starts narrating.
1: He's part of the community.
0: He is, but...
1: So, yeah.
0: He doesn't know. He's, he's, and
1: it's like, he's you're, he's aware, he's actually filming himself. Yeah,
0: he is. So After then that. you
1: can apply your own theory to that, because, well, he's sort of, he's predicting, but looking back at the same time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: it's odd. And yeah. If you go back and watch it a second time, you might see more into that, like, because he when he's talking at the beginning about how things are going to happen in the future and stuff...
1: I don't think I could see any more than I did.
0: I don't know. I also really liked the uh, map oh, yeah. that they animated with the little awesome. pins in it. Yeah. Awesome, uh, there's, Yeah, it's, when they need to travel from one place to another on the island, they show it like Indiana Jones I think style, someone but... needs
1: to listen to this very carefully and count how many times I say awesome.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, and finally, uh, Harvey Keitel as Commander Pierce. Um, Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Again, Harvey is Harvey Keitel, but it's very small. You know, he's in it for what? Two minutes, three mm-hmm. minutes. It's very brief. Um, but I really like... It. I really love that scene where... Um, yeah. He, he jumps across the thing with him on his back.
1: But again, like you said, he is what he is. There's nothing...
0: But the, the parts of it all really add up. Yes. To yes.
1: That's the, the individual thing. things of those three particular... Nobody's outperforming
0: lot. anybody. But they're all... Well, if actually, if anybody's outperforming anybody, it's the two kids.
1: I feel like sometimes it's a feather in in their cap maybe. To be in in one or the other. It's either in Wes Anderson's cap, like look who I've got. I've got Bad Lieutenant, I've got McLean, I've got you know, Edward Norton (laughs) I've got Francis I've got Fargo in there, I've got social services lady, oh my god. Is it like, well, da 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 look who I can get for my movie or is it these people saying I want a movie in my resume that makes me look sort of intellectual and odd? or they love him or whatever I don't like to be so skeptical but it is Hollywood so you know
0: so this is um, written and directed well it's co-written with uh, Roman Coppola and Wes Anderson Um, and Wes Anderson we all know Royal Tenenbaums Life Aquatic Fantastic Mr. Fox I've still not seen The Darjeeling Limited I need to see it now because it's the only one I've missed Who's
1: was that Um, June person that was in the credits or whatever
0: oh I don't know um, I did try and look that up, but found nothing about it. Um, yeah, it says it's for somebody at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything. I looked at all the trivia for this movie. Um, but there was also, it was also for an Anderson person at the end, too.
1: In memory of, or...? Yeah.
0: No, it just... Yeah, maybe. Right at the very end of the credits.
1: There we go. Actress... In um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, but no details. Timon right. Maloof, so maybe that person passed away. We don't know. But it was said, and they also did some of the artwork because the boy does artwork and some watercolors and some drawings. And then it is said in the very beginning, right? Dedicated to yeah. That like versa. there was a lot. The Judy girl read
0: novels as well, and all the book covers were done by different people. Yeah. Um, so this Blu-ray. Um, I wanted those books to be real, but I knew
1: in Wes Anderson's world, yeah. everything is fabricated.
0: But there was everything, like every single detail, those books, that map, those... Fantastic. Just every, yeah, if you look closely, there's a lot to see in this. The book, house. You can watch it again.
1: Again, with every little... Yeah. The house was fairly sparing, spar- sparse, in terms of, for a Wes, excuse me, Wes Anderson world. Kind of a house, Gotta kind of got the hiccups. You better talk.
0: So, um, the Blu-ray doesn't have a ton of extras, but what's probably going to happen with this, like most Wes Anderson films, Criterion are kind of in love with him, it seems. They'll probably get a Criterion edition down the line, and that's where the special features will come in. Um, So this is just like... Universal have put this out, and um, it's really, really sparse on extras. There's three of them. There's a look inside Moonrise Kingdom, there's Welcome to the Island of New Penzance, and there's a set tour with Bill Murray. They're all... Quirky in a Wes Anderson way, you can see that he probably had something to do with them. The way they're presented, if you go to the theater and you saw the tra- like a, they're almost like a trailer for the movie, but not a trailer because it doesn't.
1: They'd be perfect for trailers. They're so much different. Yeah, than regular it's trailers. like
0: like the four, like the narrator coming on and just with the map behind him and saying Bruce Willis is in this movie. And it's really interesting. And the trailer,
1: well, these clips don't just show you clips of the movie. It shows you from behind set, the so cameras yeah. yeah like sees what's happening and, and it's
0: really like, funny because it'll be like yeah Bruce Willis it'll be
1: so much better as trailers
0: Bruce Willis uh, laughed in this part I'm not sure he was supposed to though
1: <laughs> in the movie and he you're probably does in and pr- you're from a perspective where someone has yeah. had a, a, a camera behind the director right. to see everything going on I think that'd be fantastic that'd be a good trend in trailers to be more honest about it like it's not in a world where da 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 da
0: so um, those are the three things. They're all pretty cool in their own way, and I like the set tour with Bill Murray, but he's putting on his yeah. um,
1: sarcastic, sarcastic thing.
0: thing. But it is it's kind of cool, because you do see a little bit of the, the set. But you don't see anything from Wes Anderson. He doesn't talk. There's no commentary. You know, this is literally the movie, and those three little things that last ten minutes, all of them together is ten minutes long, which is not really... So, yeah, I bet Criterion do put out an edition later down the line, because they have with most of other Wes Anderson films, and I'm sure that'll be loaded with stuff. But unfortunately, this is not, and it really screams out for it, doesn't it? I Like, always like
1: something where you can get a bunch of the artwork, see the artists yeah, doing the work, see the artists making the books. Criterion a would do that. documentary type of thing where it shows him having meetings with the artists and stuff. That's what I like. And there was obviously
0: them. on the set footage, because this shows that there was on the set footage these...
1: And who wrote the passages from the books that she read out loud. Wes Anderson? Who knows? That's
0: what I'd like to. Oh, Coppola guy. Um, So yeah, it's pretty light on extras, but the movie itself is worth it, so it's easy to recommend if you like Wes Anderson. If you don't like Wes Anderson you've not seen any of his films, it's a good place to start, I think.
1: I think I don't have that switch in my brain that when you say, oh, it's it's Coppola's son, I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't make him good until he proves himself. This He's is a good example. actually in The Godfather too. Whatever. Ugh. Great. <laughs> Another couple <laughs> of it. Nah. But um, it doesn't mean I think anything most of to them me. Are in like you me. don't, you don't genetically get whatever from your parents like that. So this. Oh, I think Sophia. Did. If I don't need, who knows? Nah. She just has developed it and became an artist herself, right? You live in a life where it's influencing you, but it doesn't mean, oh, look, it's a Coppola, equals, oh, we should be impressed, and oh, my God. But this, depending on how much of it he contributed... He wrote the majority
0: of it, for what I read. It was like 95%. Because the dialogue
1: and stuff really turns me on. I love it. I love the way that people talk to each other. I mean,
0: it was collaborated on with Wes Anderson, but most of the writing was done by him, it said. It was a story he for a while. Yeah, it was a story he'd had for a while and he'd shown it Right, to now me, see, that
1: that does something for me.
0: So, um, yeah, in conclusion, it's an awesome movie. I highly recommend the movie. Um, they all love Murray. Yeah, they do. What, what I thought, actually, is, um, you know, it's a PG-13, this movie, but, like, it can be seen on many levels. It's a really innocent, like, kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it does have a bit of a sexual uh, tone. The a lot of people point. would go... Uh-huh. Yeah, but... I think like a younger person would not really pick up on it as much as an adult does. I mean, not pick up on. I don't what could think it feel any,
1: inappropriate. I don't about think anything
0: it. happened in that tent. No, 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 no. not at all. No, no. it's I mean, just but the some actual, people could think that.
1: I mean, you've got a young boy and a young girl, and he's yeah. actually. <laughs> that's he's, a little.
0: It can he, feel inappropriate. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. like, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I like I'll it. Like. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that only that scene. Rest of it's kind of innocent. I mean it's totally innocent. Yep. It's from the point of view of every everybody's kind of innocent apart from like there's a bit of adult stuff going on.
1: But not even addressed in a big not really. way. <laughs>
0: no. Um so yeah. You
1: add a lot of things with a Wes Anderson movie. You add it. You see Bill yeah. Murray laying on the floor of his house, just sleeping on the floor. He always has a glass of wine in his hand. He's kind of walking around a little bit defeated and frustrated. The wife, they have separate beds. So you as an adult, and if you're married particularly, you fill in all this stuff. You don't know why they're a little bit estranged from one. You don't know anything. Even if they are, you don't know. But you just add it all on there because of the visual cues you're getting all the time. Which I think is really... That's what sucks me in. Because you're watching people behave instead of watching people act out scene. and it being
0: totally fed to you like yeah exactly what, you know, that's what it's like So without
1: a scene where she goes well three years ago we stopped yeah. having sex I mean, you don't get any of that you just have to go hmm why are they kind of weird with each other and that's it you don't ever get a uh, resolution to it
0: so um, yeah I recommend it highly um,
1: very highly
0: yeah uh, it's just a shame there's not a commentary or something
1: but we both know lots of people who would find it extremely boring I know
0: what. This one a bit less than these others, though, I think. I think anybody can take this journey because they might recognize something about it, you know?
1: I don't think most of the people I'm thinking of have that kind of capacity for when it comes to, like, sitting down to watch a movie. And
0: it's so funny. I mean, they don't it's have the so capacity. It's so funny as well. Like When, it is. when the scouts build the treehouse at the beginning, yeah. and it's just like a very small visual shot that you're just like. It's hysterical thinking of somebody doing that. Yeah,
1: it's got, kind of like, an element of
0: like whimsy children's stuff.
1: storybook whimsy and slapstick comedy right mixed in with cause I mean getting stabbed with scissors yeah, that's not funny yeah some weird shit but it's... there's some like wackiness
0: about it but even it. that when the motorbike's in the thing it, yeah the, at the aftermath of it, it just looks funny like you're like well, well something horrible is that but that, look at that it's <laughs> just funny like it's it is really that's why I'm saying it's kind of you know innocent even though, yeah, there's some macabre <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff in there. Um, so, yeah, recommended highly. Um, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. And one want to enter a contest, go to the site, aschoolie.com. There's some contests on there. Next week's review will be Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I think that's going to go down as the uh, longest title of 2012, isn't it? Seems, yeah. seems very long. Um, so, yeah, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I'm just making sure I got it right. Uh, and that will be next week's Blu-ray review Uh, so our movie game that we play at this point in the podcast movie memory one two three what do we do for this game one of
1: us says to the other one name three movies that have da 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 in in them and you cannot look it up you cannot look it up on a search engine or on a phone or on a laptop or on a computer or on a tablet you have to use your brain.
0: So You can't even phone a friend You gotta just Remember the movies Question this week for you is Movie memory one two three Movies with kids Running away from home Stand by me Correct
1: uh, That's the only one
0: <laughs> And it doesn't have to be Fully running uh, away from Wizard home Wizard of Oz Yeah
1: And You mean like Taking an adventure Yeah like Getting out and about Get, yeah. yeah Um Oh, crap. Let me think for a minute on this one, because I'm sure I can think of it. Of some. It's gonna be really obvious, isn't it?
0: Yeah. There are some though obvious. Mm.
1: Trying to visualize. I can see kids sneaking, running. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. hard actually. It is. Okay. You could you could say E T. For One because they do get out of there with him,
1: but he's not running avenge. away from home,
0: no, but they're he's trying coming, to get it's away.
1: It's like a couple of miles away. You could
0: say, um, well, you definitely could say where the wild things are because he escapes to another land because he's unhappy, true, very true. Um, you could, yeah, you could say good to
1: Deribithia, but he goes home every day,
0: yeah, you could say Narnia as well, I guess, but no, they they do escape. They escape the horrible, oppressive war. But not on
1: purpose. No.
0: They don't mean I, to. I get know those are, those there. are a bit... Uh, I know what
1: you're saying. Yeah. Advent, kids' adventures away Lagoons from home. Lagoonies
0: is obviously a kid's... Yeah.
1: But um, they know they're going... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I'm just talking about like... Yeah, and then I was trying to think of actual running away from home movies. Runaways. Um, and there are a lot of ton. of
1: probably are. But
0: yeah. But it's hard to pop into your brain. Yeah.
1: But those are good ones. All good.
0: So, uh, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, uh, after watching Moonrise Kingdom, this movie came into my head, and it is Son of Rambo, which Mm -hmm. is also a movie told from a kid's perspective, with a real innocence to it. Um, Almost, I I felt it during this movie. I know it's a different style, Son of Rambo, but that definite vibe of kids and what they feel to each other. Yep. Yep. So Son of Rambo, um, a lot of people probably didn't see that movie, and they should.
1: It's not R-A-M-B-O, it's R-A-M-B-O-W.
0: Yeah, but Rambo does have a theme in the
1: movie.
0: Um, And Heavenly Creatures is my other one, which is not about kids running away, but it's about getting away, like, they have, like, a fantasy thing between them, where they get out of, you know, they use it to escape the horribleness that's happening. True. So that's Peter Jackson's first... Um, not first movie, but first kind of... And Kate Winslet. Yeah, and... well, it's actually Kate Winslet's first movie. I've recommended it before, but it also has a vibe of innocence and... Maca- friend, you know, very... Like, they're two females, but they are so bonded together, it's...
1: Because it's loosely based on a true story of yeah. two teenage girls who, in England, um, one of them was, what, other people would say was a bad influence on the other and they end up killing the mother of one of the girls. Right. So it's and they're based both, on that.
0: And they're both bonded together in this...
1: And have a bit of mental instability. And uh, mine are going to be the fantastic Mr. Fox and what I thought of when we said these are two people that find each other with their own sort of quirkiness right. and um, punch drunk love. Right. Because when she says to him when, when you're finding out that she's as turned on by his kind of weirdness and then she says something really weird like she's going to what bash somebody's head in or he, something he wants
0: to eat her face and she wants to she's yeah, like I like, love
1: that <laughs> and then you're like oh they
0: totally should go together so punch drunk love I think is a good another one, one is uh, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey what's that called
1: oh yeah um, son- something son- of the eternal mind.
0: sunshine of the spotless mind there's another one yeah there, that's too. a really good one you know
1: oh yeah yeah can't be pulled apart Right, so yeah, yeah, and then I'm gonna also recommend the Fantastic Mr. Fox. (laughs) Correct again, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic, really is, yeah. It's oh, it's like, it's like a children's book. Like when you're a kid, and I would either be read or I didn't read a lot of books, but the ones that would just, it's like I could fall into it. You know, your brain, your your whole vision is taken up by the pictures, and then you're in it. Like you can. That's what I felt like with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like you're. In a children's amazing story,
0: I and liked uh, on the extras for this when he it w- showed you a <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes and Wes Anderson's directing and one of the little scout kids comes up and says, "I loved Fantastic Mr. Fox," yeah. and he's just he's just like you can see it on his face. He's just like that's why I made that uh, movie.
1: He didn't really pay much attention to him, which kind of bummed. No, me
0: but out. He, did you see his face though? It's just like no, it, I
1: mean Wes Anderson.
0: He no, Wes Anderson's saw... face.
1: No, as he, he had he had this expression
0: us. on his face. I know he didn't like. He saying, doesn't
1: face in the camera.
0: He no, back he's to from the, the side. You could see that he was like, Aww. that's why I made that. Yeah. For those kind of comments. Like, you know, it was... But yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is an interesting animated movie because it's an it's adult amazing. animated movie, but it's alright for kids.
1: Oh, it fanta- it's fantastic. Mr. Amazing. We're gonna chalk that one up.
0: So, um, games and a schooly stuff for this week. Uh, I finished 007 James Bond Legends. Did you love it? No. (laughs) And I, how much do I love James Bond? I own every James Bond film. I've watched James Bond since I was a kid. I'm excited for the new one, Skyfall. James Bond's been part of my life, my entire life. Um, Correct. So, James Bond games, they're always hit or miss. Mostly miss, because they don't seem to know... How to make a good James Bond game. It's amazing.
1: Game. It's like the perfect game. It's like someone's handing you the rough cut diamond, the rough diamond, and all you have to do is chip make it into yeah. like. And it's.
0: See, what happened, right? Is they used to make good James Bond games um, back in the day. And then GoldenEye came out, which was the, a huge hit Nintendo 64. It was the, one of the very first console first person shooters. And it was amazing. And everybody loved it. And it still goes down to this day as one of the best first-person shooters on a console. Um, And then that came out. And then from then on, Bond games, just every year, they said, it has to be a first-person shooter because GoldenEye was massive. We have to make a first-person shooter. Now, I don't think you do. I want to see Bond. I don't want to be him. I want to see him. And giving
1: puzzles to solve. I think he needs to be,
0: like Tomb Raider, you need to see him.
1: You could mix in there investigating stuff, puzzle solving... Hacking,
0: all that stuff. Because he
1: doesn't do... He does do shooting He mostly shoots stuff, in this, but in like this game. But, like, stealthy stuff and big adventure... Like, big stunty things. Like, on The Amazing Race, where he has to, you have to, like, scaling down a rock... I mean, but this game didn't seem to have anything that was it's interesting.
0: What well, this game does, and it's weird, is it takes, like, five of the old Bond movies... And it puts Daniel Craig as Bond in those movies. Including, like, Moonraker... And From Russia With Love. You know, the ones that you all know and love. And it puts Daniel Craig as the Bond into them. But it's first-person shooter, so you never hardly see him. Like, and there's not many cutscenes either. It's just his voice occasionally. You know? Um,
1: so then there's not right in your face that you could still imagine you are
0: who you, well, you are. Well, he talks. And he does talk. But yeah. then it, when he's on his phone and stuff. And what it does is it... Like... It just makes it into a first-person shooter. It's Call of Duty but with bond right which that sounds really good and it does play alright but every boss fight when you actually get to to the boss it just it's a button press thing it's like A Mm -hmm. up A B you know there's no moving of bond because it's first person you can't really fight with anybody so how do they handle a fight well it's just a case of pressing buttons until you get the right button you know you fail you do it again fail you do it again um So, yeah, all the best moments are there. There's a cool end sequence where you're in Moonraker and you're actually in zero gravity. If you've seen Moonraker, you you know, it's a space movie. And the opening is cool. The opening's cool. Not as cool as it has been years past, though. It was a bit... Like, EA made a Bond game called Everything or Nothing. And it was their own take. It was a third-person Bond game. It was a unique story. They even hired, like, Shannon Elizabeth as a Bond girl. You know, a Bond girl that's not... You know, what I mean? Like, they made made a Bond film. They got um, Heidi Klum in it, you know. Yeah. And it's a third-person game from EA. And this was back on the original Xbox. It was amazing. That was the last good Bond game. Since then, Activision got the rights, and then it became a first-person shooter every single year. Don't know what they'll do next year. Hopefully, this will... Well, people aren't going to buy I thought it.
1: thought said, since the Nintendo 64, no one did it right.
0: Just that one game, it stands out. And EA lost the rights to Bond pretty quick. Like, they mm-hmm. got that, they made this... It was amazing, that uh, Everything or Nothing. That did have an amazing Bond title sequence. Like I say, they hired, like, all these people. Pierce Brosnan was Bond in it. He did the voices. Uh, Judi Dench did, um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, now... Would you
1: even be interested if they said we're gonna do a series and every single movie we're gonna make into a game and you play out the movie, maybe with some added scenes, but it's actually the story of that movie. It's actually Goldfinger or Goldeneye, whatever. Right like
0: these are but but the full thing. Yes, the whole
1: game is actually the story of that movie. With that bun. You know the movie. But you play it out yourself and make it look more like you're really in it. Like it looks great. It's yeah, make all it bad and
0: use elements. that bond. If it's a Connery, use the likeness of Sean Connery.
1: Yeah, and give it all all kinds of gameplay. Like what he does, he has to do certain... Like when he has to like fix his own heart in the car like make that a almost like a <laughs> what's, the what's the name of the game where you're doing surgery on yeah. people and shit see there's
0: a know? tiny bit of driving in this game as well but it's like the oh, worst yeah.
1: you can have racing and yeah, it's
0: the worst driving ever do you remember on um...
1: you can have everything in Bond you can have skydiving what underwater yeah, they shit no.
0: they did that in everything or nothing they did all that yeah, and it was really cool diving out of planes fighting while you're skydiving all that sort of they stuff they are
1: missing out on a huge chunk of money on this
0: you basically have a rifle and you shoot people the entire time right? if they
1: made a game these games easy enough
0: I would even play them there is a bit of driving in this game. Really tiny little bit of driving. It's the worst driving ever. The handling's really bad. In Aww. fact, you can press a button and turn 90 degrees in the car. Like, you can face the opposite way, which is really weird. Just by one press, it goes... Beep. Like, it's not explained as a right gadget. How I
1: drive normally in games.
0: Um, and it... You you know the bit on Die Another Day when you're driving across the ice? Mm-hmm. From the ice hotel. It's that. So there's explosions happening. And you, um... Just have to dodge the explosions. That's the entire thing. There's an explosion on the left, stay to the right. There's an explosion on the right, stay to the left. You do that for about three minutes. It's really boring. It's like, why isn't the other cars, why am I not using my rockets on my car? Why am I not ejecting people out of the car? Why am I not doing bomb things? Why am I dodging an explosion? Do the the
1: day was on TV the other day and that just reinforced that I don't like Holly Berry at all. I've tried. Oh, this is interesting. I've tried desperately and I can't. I just, I look at her, and I just think, I think, yes, you did a good job in a couple of movies, obviously, but you're, I don't know. I just get,
0: So in Die Another Day, in 007, James Bond Legends, Jinx, played by Halle Berry, is a white woman. But is that, hair. I was
1: thinking, was that story in a book? And was she, no, being, it was
0: not. It was an actual, just wrote for a movie. Right. She's a blonde-haired white woman.
1: I cool. think that's because they just couldn't get the rights to show uh, no. any, like, I bet it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is what it is, and it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible because it's the official James Bond game. Why can't the official James Bond game get the likenesses of the James Bond?
1: Well, because I think because those people are probably really difficult to do. Because the with. movie
0: the. The game is endorsed by the broccoli people, and you know it's actually part of the James Bond thing.
1: But if Halle Berry says, "Well, you're not using my likeness unless you give me twenty million dollars," Well then it
0: really, it really ruins the because if you are, if your game selling point is you're going to be playing all these awesome Bond movies that you remember, so you're and saying
1: love. leave her out,
0: don't even change. don't do that, don't do that movie, do one of the others where you can get the person, you know, because the it's. If the if your selling point is you're going to be playing Moonraker, well, I want everybody who's in Moonraker in Moonraker, the game. I want the guy who played Jaws to be Jaws, and he is. By the way, they did find they did have. Him you could also get Denise Richards to be Christmas Dr. Jones. Yeah. Um, there's people who can do it, right? Obviously, some are dead. You so. got
1: M. She's the real M. Yeah,
0: they did use Judy Dench. It's just we've talked too much about it. James Bond Legends. I don't think it'll sell. It'll be in the bargain bin for ten bucks, a couple of months. It's just not very good. Um, Doom 3 BFG Edition came out this week. I've not played it yet, but it is a remake of Doom 3, so I know what to expect. They've kind of tidied the graphics up, because if you think about it, Doom 3 is a like seven or eight-year-old game now. It doesn't seem that old, but it is. Um, I've also started playing Dishonored this week, but I've literally only played an hour of it. But from the hour I've played, it looks really good. Um, it's like a stealth game. Um, you change that. It's stealth. And it it's also, nice. also action. It looks really good. Like if you think of BioShock, how BioShock looks, it's got this um art deco kind of style to it. This game has too. Um, there's an achievement in this game to play the entire game without killing anybody. Um, we've killed lots of people so far, (laughs) so we're not going to get it. But I would like to play through it and try and do the non-lethal... Like, you can actually just...
1: You kind of need to play it once through so that you know what's coming. Know what's coming. coming. And then
0: on the the non-lethal, like, kill nobody in the entire game. But you can, like, subdue people. Like, you know, just, like, knock them on the head and, like... But that'd be interesting to see how you do that. Because there's lots of... This game's awesome. You get powers later on in the game, like magical powers. Like you can possess something and be it. So you can be a rat and then creep around as a rat. You can't be a table? No, like, you know, living things. Okay. But you could be a rat, go in through the sewers, come up for a grate, then be you again. Interesting. Uh, like interesting so ways this is again. not
1: a realistic kind of game. No.
0: So Dishonored, uh, I'll talk more about it when I've played more, but early um, look at What it. type is it? like first-person stealth okay. slash adventure. combat adventure game definitely it's like a um but it's first person you've got a crossbow you've got a dagger you can later on you can get a thing where you can like go invisible it's like a, right and you play out the missions how you like like it's not linear it's like there's a guy in a tower you have to rescue him here's the whole place and here's the tower. You figure out how to do it. Like, you don't. It's not go down there, shoot this, shoot this, shoot that. It's like, oh no, I'll be completely invisible and go past everybody, maybe, or maybe I won't. Maybe I right. just kill everybody. So it's like a leave it to you kind of how to discover what to, how to play it. So that's Dishonored. Uh, next Tuesday, the games are still coming because it is that mega time where all the games come out. But uh, on Tuesday, next week, it's Forza Horizon, which is the latest Forza game, which, as you know, I love racing you games, love so racing. any racing game that comes out, I'm excited. And also next Tuesday is Medal of Honor Warfighter, which is an interesting one, because EA have been trying to uh, have a Call of Duty killer, as they call it, and Battlefield and Medal of Honor would be their um, yeah. killers. Now. It's two weeks until Call of Duty comes out this year. Two and a half weeks, three weeks. A Medal of Honor's coming out right now. I don't think they can kill Call of Duty. You know what I mean? It's like, Call of Duty is this runaway... Oh, is
1: that what you mean? Call of Duty killer, not a Call of Duty killer game where you're killing
0: No, they people. want a, They want a Call of Duty. Because Call of Duty is like the biggest selling video game of all time, right? Medal, uh, EA want their version of it. Yeah. So they can knock Call of Duty off the map and they have all that money, right? I okay. get So they bring out this game every year called Medal of Honor around this time and it's always really mediocre. Like, really, like if you've played a Call of Duty game you know why that's good because the mechanics, the, it's been going for several years now so it's got better and better as it goes along. This is a new thing that they brought out a couple of years ago. This is the latest one. And I played the demo of it on Xbox Live and it's, it's really mediocre. Like, if you're a Call of Duty player... And you start to play it, you're like... Yeah, I can see what you're trying to do. Trying to be like it. But you're not there. Like, it's not it. I mean, if you want to just copy it, just copy it, right? Well, they can't. No, they can't, but... They don't get the fundamentals right, like the gameplay. They don't get it right. It just feels wonky. Like, Call of Duty, if you're a Call of Duty player, you'll know. It feels really... The controls... Forget how it looks. How it controls. It's spot on. The control system... The aim in, you know, if you you played like a previous Call of Duty and I give you a new one, you'll instantly be at home. It's like, yep, this is how it plays. Do this they is sell
1: the Call of Duty engine to people?
0: It's uh, actually the Quake 4 engine, Call of Duty, from years ago. They've just enhanced it a little bit and stuff, but it's they never changed the so engine. So EA
1: could use that. And just put their own game on Yeah, they could,
0: them. but they don't. They make their own engine. It's like, this is the problem. What's really cool about Call of Duty is it's 60 frames a second. It runs 60 frames every second, right? Makes it really fluid, very smooth. It looks smooth when you're looking at it. The animations are smooth. This EA games, or most of theirs, run at half of that. In video games, that's really noticeable. If it's a game that requires like a lot of input. Like a shooter. You're always moving and aiming and...
1: I thought our eyes could only see up to 32 frames per second. No. So, I mean, noticeably different. No,
0: if I... Sh- a 60 frames a second game to a 30 frames a second game, it's like like it's like night and day. But the problem is, EA want a lot more detail in their game. And when you put more detail in, you have to sacrifice frame rate. Yeah. What... Call of Duty do I don't know how they still make it look awesome, but they run at sixty frames a second. They probably do tricks in the background to make sure nothing's doesn't look awesome to an, a
1: bystander as awesome as other games do.
0: To be right, honest. but it, it's the smoothness and the input is what makes it awesome. Right, and they can never do it. So Medal of Honor: Warfire comes out. I will play it, and I always do. But it's always one of those games where I play it, it takes me a couple of days, and then I never put it in again. It's like that, you know? Like, oh, it's... The story might be good, the actual... But the multiplayer, it just never captures me. Because I know, in three weeks, Call of Duty's coming out, so Mm -hmm. why would I commit myself to this huge multiplayer thing? And, you know... I'm not just the only person who knows Call of Duty is coming out in three weeks. It is the biggest selling Correct. game ever. So yeah, I think that's what happens to Medal of Honor. People go, uh, oh, why am I gonna buy this now when in three weeks my game comes out? So that's all the games this week. Forza Horizon would be my most exciting game for next week, because they finally took Forza into um an open world game. Instead of it being just round tracks. You driving around Colorado, the whole state of Colorado. Oh, right. So They've arranged the races like a street races, and you know it's it's kind of changing direction. So oh, that's a good point, changing direction, cars. So um, Sid talk, what's for dinner?
1: I have no idea. I have no idea. We didn't plan our day, so tonight, what will be for dinner? Let me just say it on the spot here. What sounds good to you? I think like mash and pea and gravy, or soup and sandwich, something like that. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Mash, uh, one pea. Just one, one pea. One
1: pea. One little bite of mashed potato. Some gravy. I don't know. I don't know. Or pizza. We will know. eat. We will eat something. It's the first time I've not been prepared Yeah,
0: well, it, it's answer. actually, behind the scenes thing, it's actually Friday. Mm-hmm. We normally do this on a Saturday. Um, Friday's a lot different to Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a lot different. My ne- our nephew is here. But yeah, but about I mean, it.
0: we do. We <laughs> Timing's different and stuff. Like it.
1: Yeah. And uh, my advice is really simple. I don't even know if it's advice. It's just that you are not alone. And that means a lot of things. That means if you have a problem, you're not the only one. So, A, don't feel super depressed and alone. And B, don't feel all selfish and like, oh, poor me. And feel sorry for yourself. Because you're not alone in your problem. You also are not alone in this world. And your behavior in the world... Amongst other people, you need to learn to regulate it in some way. We have a good example. Yesterday, we were at the horrible store of Walmart. It's always a traumatic experience. And this young woman was on the phone, on her cell phone. You were in one aisle. I was in another. And we heard her coming from, I heard her coming from the car section And we were, like, five rows away. She was yelling into the phone, F this, F that, you give me fucking grief, and my mom's giving me fucking grief. I mean, it was like... I said, if the person she was talking to had been there, it's like there would have been a fight. And she was just walking and shopping and doing this yelling as if...
0: She was actually in the same row as me um, at one point, (laughs) doing the same yelling. I was stood about three feet away. Yeah, I know,
1: like and that's it. You are not alone in this world. Be aware of, of yourself and like get out of yourself and realize there are times when you have to express yourself and be, you know, to make a point or don't be afraid to express yourself or, or do things, but you are not alone. Like, you're also not alone in, like, another lady came up to the counter. We came up to the counter with some headphones, and I very nice... Oh, the lady was behind us, wasn't she? And I very nicely said, um, can... You know, this... I don't think this price tag is right on here. And she's like, "Go, oh, hang on a second. I'll check it for you. I followed her to the counter. Instead of standing there with my arms crossed, like... When's she coming back? I was very nice and patient. When I got up to the counter, there was another woman there. Sort of very rough-around-the-edges woman. Really loudly barking at this very nice lady who was answering the phone looking at my price and this woman's like well somebody screwed up my phone and well I'm just saying and the lady's like um I, I can get somebody for you she was trying to be real nice and the lady was really loud once again and there was no like leading up to this she just came to the counter and started like really rudely loudly demanding I am the only one here I am the only she didn't say these words but again, she's not like, she was unaware of, and I I get it. I get pissed off sometimes. I get very entitled in moments, you know, when I'm trying to get something solved. All of a sudden, I'm the center of the universe, and everyone needs to kneel down to me or whatever. But in public, you know, I've learned how to regulate. I, like, navigate around circumstance. Because I'm not alone. My behavior Correct. reflects Something to other people, it sets an example for other people, it can make people uncomfortable and nervous, and it's inappropriate to just like just be whatever out in public. Or, you know, I just am amazed sometimes when I watch people behave with each other, and I just think I don't understand how people don't constantly examine themselves. Like, I think I've just always been that way. When I was about eight or nine, my mom said to me, you're gonna grow up be a psychologist. I just know it. Because you just analyze everything. You analyze everybody. And I think I've always been that way. And that's why I look at people and think, are you... Do you ever think about, like... I'm approaching a situation. I have this feeling, I have this goal I need to achieve by con- doing this thing with this person. How will I behave appropriately? Right. That's how I think of things. I don't feel like other people. No, <laughs> they don't.
0: Um
1: think it through really. There are moments when you just go off off your head and you can't re- your emotions take over and it requires hot-headed, loud Deal with the situation. I have no problem with that when it's appropriate or when it's really needed. But, you know. And another kind of not being alone. You're not alone. Just because you're alone. (laughs) Like, if you're not in a... If you think, like, you're single or you don't have a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other. You're still not alone in the world. Like, everyone has a friend. Everyone has some family member somewhere in the world and if you get to thinking, oh, I'm just alone. I'm lonely. I'm just alone. You're not. Like, you're not. You you can always reach out to somebody who will fill in at least some part of that loneliness, I think.
0: Unless you're incarcerated. <laughs> the girl
1: on the phone. <laughs> the yeah. nasty girl on the phone who maybe everyone doesn't like. Well, even if you're incarcerated. it's going to be somebody, the guard walking by, who's going to... If you just act like a decent human being and say, hey man, how's it going? And he might say, pretty good, how are you? Do you know what I mean? Even that little tiny thing. <laughs> how many prisoners do I have
0: listening, <laughs> listening to, our, making this to p- us dog? <laughs> All right, so um, thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our website, dot com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can also catch this podcast, iTunes Music Store, the Zune Marketplace. It's not called the Zoom Marketplace anymore. It's called the Xbox Music Is Store. It?
1: Because I haven't
0: looked. Uh, It's not changed yet, but it is called that.
1: Well, then it's not called that.
0: Yeah, it's not the Zoom Marketplace anymore, unfortunately, because they've they've rebranded it the Xbox Music Store. Yeah, Um, but mine hasn't Once you update it, they will. It doesn't update itself. You have to go and get it. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure it will update itself eventually. But yeah, um, Microsoft have rebranded because Windows 8 is out next week and uh, they're going to call everything the Xbox this and the Xbox that. Xbox Video, Xbox Music Store. Um, So they're pinning all their um, business on the Xbox. So um, yeah, you can catch us on the Xbox Music Store, whatever that is. And um, you can also email feedback to me at at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Wes Anderson can't wait to see another film by him It's uh, quite a treat
1: You can email me if you need a recipe To a pineapple upside down cake (laughs) You know who you are (laughs) I think I've already filled in that gap But you can email me if you want To ask me some question about something Very important like food Or I can analyse you As a psychiatrist And I'm also going to say Think for yourself Or someone's going to do it for you